0: Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wildly, and you are entering Season 3 of Sex Stories, a podcast that I hope helps you examine your own sex stories so that you might just inspire yourself to pursue the sex life of your dreams. Our guest today is a 31-year-old cis-white, heteroflexible male. He's fairly switchy into bondage, praise, degradation, breeding, and chastity. A Southern librarian gentleman. Welcome, Axe.
1: Hi, Yo. How are you?
0: I'm awesome. I'm so excited to ask you if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shame meter With 10 being the most full of sexual shame and 1 being the least, right now in this moment, where do you fall?
1: I feel like a lot of your guests are just so far down on the meter. I have such a—I say healthy, but I know it's not healthy. But I have a substantial amount of shame. I'm going to say like a six. Okay. I definitely deal with it. I work through it and try and explore as much as I can in spite of it.
0: Beautiful. Okay. Can you give us a little snapshot overview of what your sex life is like right now?
1: The big reveal is like I was married for four years. And I never had sex once. I grew up very evangelical Christian, and I lost my virginity in 2020 at 30 years old. Okay. And that was a big turning point in my life. Right this moment, I have probably should have put this in the intro, but I'm polyamorous. Okay. I have a, a partner that I regularly see, and we have sex at least probably once a week, and then another partner that I see once a week. And that's partnered sex. And so I probably have sex with myself at almost every day. Nice. It's difficult because it's like, well, if I'm having sex with a partner, if I know I'm going to be seeing my partners, I'm like, oh, I really can't masturbate, but I really want to.
0: <laughs> I get that. I get that. My newest lover has been saying things like that. Like if he knows he's going to see me, he'll be like, I'm going to wait. And I'll be like, OK, but if you don't, I want pictures or, you know, something like that. Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's really cute. I love that.
0: Can you tell us what does sexy mean to you?
1: So I love the Oscar Wilde quote, and it's, everything in life is about sex except sex. Sex is about power. Oh, man. Wow. I think of things in terms of, like, evolution and, like, if we are just creatures, like, all of evolution is getting us to have sex. Like, it's that's the end goal of being a creature is reproduction And so like these desires sort of spring from that Mm. and this, these cultural attitudes toward it and these, you know, morals and things, they all stem from that. And some of them are beautiful and some of them are less than beautiful. But like, yeah, sexy means to me, like you're experiencing what you were made to do.
0: Beautiful. In the context of that quote, what does power mean to you personally?
1: That's a good question. I think in my brain, my clinical brain says power is the ability to make change. Mm-hmm. And if I'm thinking of like, I don't parade around calling myself a dominant, you know, I, I, it's just really more of an attitude. And the best submission and dominance that I've seen, things that turn me on the most are the things where the submissive is like, I desperately want to learn how to do something so much better and the is like i am going to coach you and push you to until you are transformed until you are changed
0: i ask that question because as i hear it i think a lot of people who i talk to out in the wild not so much guests on the podcast but people in the world do seem to see sort of like it's about holding power or keeping power or having power over rather than power with, which I'm a big fan of power with. And I just love your definition because it's also the personal power and the idea of like power is transformative change. I mean, that is my goal with this podcast. So that makes me feel all wiggly and lit up inside. So <laughs> now will you please tell us what happens to your shame meter when it is time to talk to your partner or partners about safer sex? And like, what would an ideal safer sex conversation look like for you right now?
1: It depends on the partner I'm with. I have unprotected sex with one partner, and then I have protected sex with everyone else. And like, I think for me, it's always a, this is, this is non-negotiable. I have never had a negative reaction to putting on a condom from my partner, mm. all, all of which have been female people thus far. Yeah, I've never had a negative reaction towards that. Um, I think sometimes it can be difficult just in terms of maintaining an erection but it's not something that's like well i just have to take it off and deal like it's it's a learning your own body learning how you react to the condom and figuring out like what brand works best for you what shape works best for you is it too tight is it too large what you know keeping it handy sort of like tricking yourself into like just always happens right off the bat no i always have some in my car got to keep them handy (laughs)
0: Somebody recently told me that a great thing to do if your penis does not react kindly to condoms, if your penis is like, no, I heard the advice given that you should try masturbating with a condom until you can find the arousal there. Have you ever done that? I have not yet met someone who has. Yeah, I
1: have. You have? Oh, yeah. I've done that several times, particularly just because latex is just a a, a kinky thing. And I Mm. love the feel of it. Uh, Masturbating with latex gloves is interesting. Ooh. Latex, latex, latex is like fucking expensive, and yeah. I'm just like, oh god, I can't afford that. Yeah. But uh, no, I have masturbated with condom on. It's not just the condom; it's the I think the feeling with my partner, how comfortable I am. Maintaining an erection was always an issue. I mentioned I was married for four years. I, I was never able to penetrate my wife. Eventually, just we we were in counseling and therapy and things. And we came to realize like this is a problem, and and neither of us want a marriage without sex in it. And so we, you know, we separated in uh, February of 2020, which was, of course, you know, right before the global pandemic. She moved out. I was on my own. I was on another date in a week, and then I lost my virginity two weeks later. And yeah, I realized like I still have a little bit of an issue maintaining an erection through the last year of the marriage. I realized uh, I discovered I had a medical issue, which was a a tumor on my pituitary gland. It's called a prolactinoma. And in men, it crushes your testosterone level and it causes increased breast tissue growth. And uh, my doctor took one look at me and said, yep, you've probably got a tumor in your head and sent me to get it looked at. Took a medicine for a year and it was completely gone.
0: Oh, thank God.
1: I know, I know. And so by the end of that period, though my testosterone was back, my libido is like, okay, I've got to. So, uh, so I'm maintaining erection hasn't been an issue, but it's not necessarily just the condom for me.
0: When do you first remember hearing about sex and understanding what it was, and what do you remember thinking and feeling?
1: My family never talked. It. I mean, I uh, my parents were divorced. Neither of them want to talk about it. Neither of them were particularly religious either. But mm-hmm. I became very conservative evangelical Christian on my own. The, w- they never spoke about sex to me. I remember in elementary school, girls on the playground using the word pervert just r- randomly. They would just call people pervert. You're a pervert for this. You're a pervert for that. Oh. I know. I didn't understand it. And I asked my mom and my mom was like, they called you that? Well, all you need to know is heterosexual means that uh, women love women and homosexual means that boys love boys and they're both wrong. And it's like, first of all, (laughs) that's not what those terms mean (laughs) anyway. Yeah, I I just remember that conversation distinctly. And looking back, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard anyone say in my life. Anyway, so that was my first time hearing about it. Of course, you know, where I grew up was an abstinence-only sex ed state, and so you didn't hear about it at all. We did hear in basic health class about abstinence, but they never went into detail about what we were abstaining from. Really? Yes. There was a brief time where the nurse came in in a middle school class. She essentially said, does anybody have any questions about sex? And I remember one one guy just raised his hand and said, oh, what about uh, condoms? And I don't remember what her answer was, but I remember that was about the extent of the uh, sexual education provided by my public education system where I grew up.
0: Holy cow. Did you ever learn from friends or what did your brain
1: do? I didn't have that sort of oh yeah, you're hanging out with your bros and you, you know, or you like you discover some porn that somebody has stashed away or you, you know, you chatted about whatever. Like I didn't have those types of friends. Mm-hmm. I had sort of specific friends that I would hang out with and that just never came up.
0: How did you make sense of the bombardment of sex that we see in the media? Like, do you feel like you had an awareness of sex or were you, did it sort of feel hazy until later?
1: Honestly, it was television shows that I'm like, I find that very hot, and I don't know why, and I don't know what that means, but that's very, very hot. But as I started growing up with a personal computer, you go online and start, to say, I did not dive into porn right away, but I started seeing like, that's a picture of a of a woman like seductively like wrapped in something, and it was primarily hentai at the beginning. That sort of evolved, and I spent many a late night looking, <laughs> looking at hentai that evolved into what I would describe it in my evangelical phase as, you know, my struggle with pornography. Mm. And yeah, had, porns have been a part of my life, you know, ever since probably late middle school, early high school.
0: Okay. And did that correlate with you discovering your own body?
1: I don't remember exactly when it correlated, but it's funny, like, looking back at some of the things I was going through through puberty and through growing up, I'm like, Oh, my God, those are all my kinks now. Like, My dad had this inflatable pool in the backyard and it had this like rubber latex, just thin bottom. And I realized like, oh, I can put my hand under there. And it's just like forming to your hand. And I'm like, oh my God. And I did that one day till I, it felt so good. I felt like I was going to pee and I was like, oh, and looking back, I'm like, that's my first orgasm. There we go. (laughs) That was it. And then I, uh, you know, kept making it happen with, oh, my God, the poor, poor stuffed animals of my childhood. (laughs) All I knew how to do was cut a little hole in a stuffed animal. Yeah. A Pikachu was definitely up there. Some sort of dragon.
0: Where in the Pikachu? Where in the dragon? Like, was there a specific part? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think this is a fun I detail. Mean,
1: I, I think generally in the groinular area, okay. to quote another podcast that I I did that a lot okay. before I discovered my hand okay. and any sort of lubrication. So.
0: Did you come inside of them? Were you coming at that point? Or was it like an orgasm with that? Like, how young were you? And like, did these stuffed animals eventually get sewn up and given away to the Goodwill? Because that's really terrible Those stuffed
1: animals got really nasty. I was not a particularly hygienic child. (laughs) And when your parents would be mortified to even know that you were experiencing any sexual desire or Mm. pleasure at all. Yeah. Like that was just the last thing I could ever imagine doing. Yeah. They did catch the porn on the computer once, and it was a massive blow up. Briefly, they did not follow through with anything they said they were going to do. You, you know, you're, right. you're going to talk to the pastor. You're going to do this. You've got. I can't believe you. You're disgusting. Blah blah blah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was a tough time.
0: Wow. Okay, so. Do you remember approximately when you discovered your hand and what did you do with it? And what does your cock like?
1: It was probably several years, honestly, before I was able to do anything with my hand. By now, I think the need for visual stimulation is so great. Like, I I really can't masturbate without some sort of porn or something. I think one of your previous guests used the term spank bank, which I don't maintain a vigorous one in my head quite anymore Hmm. but that's the beauty of the internet you can take things out of your head and put it keep it there
0: anymore wait anymore that means you used to or is it anymore slash yet
1: i i think i did yeah okay it was much easier as a child i mean as a you know a teenager like i could read erotica and have the picture in my head and keep that picture with me for you know months and you know just go back to that yeah I don't do that so much anymore. That's probably something I might want to get back to. Because I remember some of the erotica I read. Uh, I read some furry erotica mm. and basically having a flesh suit that would turn you into a woman to experience that. But it eventually became like, uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm not this masturbation stuff is fine. But, oh, man, you know, it'd be so much better and cooler is if I, you know, penetrated myself. And so anal play became like, oh, my God, the big, dark, dirty secret that I had. Oh. I like things in my ass. and I can't believe it. Oh,
0: my God. Wait, how old were you when you kind of started getting into that?
1: Late middle school, early high school, I okay. think.
0: I would have still been in Shame City. I definitely remember learning that a girl I knew in high school who I, looking back, I'm like, oh, I had a crush on her. Like, I definitely remember hearing that she had had anal sex with someone, you know, so that she could save her virginity, but still play around. And I remember just thinking, like, why would you do that? You know, just not knowing anything.
1: Of all the, the convoluted logic that sexual shame creates, like, that's the most yeah. difficult here sometimes. But yeah, no, I uh, explored anal stuff with myself and objects what did you start with do you remember hot dogs there was a a handle of a cane that i remember came off that was very phallic shaped that was that was pretty good and the lubrication
0: yeah i was gonna just ask about lube did you know about lube at all yet
1: i wasn't familiar with the concept but uh i knew vaseline did the job okay would not recommend it now considering there's much better alternatives out there totally totally yeah, so that was sort of growing up about it. It's just masturbation, a little bit of anal play. And then I went to a Christian college, and then I was able to overcome it. Mm. I'm using quotation marks here. And just sort of turn it off and just not have much sexual desire. Only later did I realize that like it was partially my testosterone just going cratering and, and wow. having zero libido. And sort of experiencing my sex life come back to me here in my 30s.
0: Wow. I want to back up for a second. Were you instructed or advised to turn it off? Was that just like the way of the church that you were involved in? Or what gave you that message?
1: I knew it was like, okay, somehow I know this is wrong. I'm not going to ask anybody why it's wrong because that gives you away. So, Mm. you know, I think my church is generally like anti this. I'm not going to do this and I shouldn't. And then when I went to a Christian college, I fell in with fellas who were very—they held this picture in their heads that they were going to be the serious, masculine Christians who were going to be missionaries and win souls for the Lord. And there was a a huge thing going through evangelical circles of just hyper-masculine Christian pastors and things. You don't even think about liking someone until you hear the Lord explicitly tell you that you were to pursue this woman. And we we bought it hook, line, and sinker. Wow! And so that was what I was being given. And I was like, well, I want to be like these people I admire. And yeah. on the other side of it, looking back, I'm like, knowing what I know about some of them, I'm like, they weren't doing this. They mm-hmm. weren't living like this. Yeah. I'm a very sincere person. And so like, I bought it. A sucker is what I feel like sometimes. And, you know, I'm sure. I'm still a little religious. I'm an Episcopalian, actually. Mm -hmm. And I love that, you know, we marry the gays and it's beautiful. But one thing I I love about it is I recently I said I want a relationship with my religion that like that a Hindu might have with theirs.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Like this is something I can engage with. This can inform my life through rituals, through grounding. But I can check the weird shit at the door. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. Check the weird shit at the door. Absolutely. I also think If I hadn't gotten made fun of by kids in my Sunday school class when I was a kid, I probably would have been very much the same because I'm so earnest. I love rules. I just, you know, I'll soak up whatever's around me. And literally, if it hadn't been for the like confusion between like, wait, they say be nice like this. Their behavior's not nice like that. And that's what broke my brain and made me sort of like set off on my own path to have my own relationship with the creator, you know? So did you ever hear a voice that was like, that person, love them, or like what? Oh,
1: absolutely not. Okay, okay. First of all, I'm like, well, this would be nice if I could be like this, but I was always dealing with like, well, I'm not spiritual enough. I I don't have the relationship that these people have somehow. And I did date, you know, in college, date a couple girls, and I said, well, you know, we won't kiss until the marriage like that. That was this wow. some this was like some beautiful idolized thing to do that you were able to keep that within yourself. But really, it was like, well, I medically don't have any like sex drive. So that's easy for me to do. Okay. Wow. <laughs> but My ex-wife and I met after I had graduated. We had attended the same college, but we met and started dating afterwards. and And it was very much like, well, this is. It's pretty straightforward. This is this is easy, uh, you know, and we both wanted kids. And so I'm like, well, this is about what we need to do. And there was just a zero sexual chemistry there. And I should mention about three months after we separated, she called and came out to me that she was a lesbian. And wow, that makes me feel so good for her. Yeah. Frankly, yeah. that makes sense. We, we both had stuff going on.
0: Mm-hmm what about the sex didn't work? Like, I hear you had low desire. You also sort of said that it it sounds like it didn't go in or what did you?
1: Well, okay. We were sort of on our way out of evangelicalism anyway. We were still coping, still coming to understand the baggage that we had with mm-hmm. it. So we decided, well, you know, we've come this far. We can be proud that we didn't have sex until marriage, whatever. But we were like, well, let's at least explore a little bit. And so I was able to Yeah, I love my clinical terms. I was able to digitally stimulate her to climax with my hands. I was able to get her to orgasm. She just wasn't able to experience any sort of sexual pleasure on her own. She was beaten sometimes when her mother would catch her masturbating.
0: Oh, fuck.
1: It's very disappointing and very sad to hear. It took a long time for me to get her to orgasm with my hands. For me, it was like, well... I am receiving zero pleasure from this, which is not completely different from how I am now. Like I I love it's such a turn on to deliver pleasure, but it would just take for absolute ever. Mm -hmm. And I kind of understand that because sometimes it takes me a long time to get to the chasm. It's just like it's a it's like a mental journey sometimes for me, like I have to go back and then stop and then go back down and then take a left and right. And
0: yeah. Or like pause for the hand cramp sometimes. or (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. So I had been able to do that a little bit with her. I was just very uncomfortable. The way I describe it now is the brain pathways just weren't there. Like you have to sort of like take your machete and cut down the jungle brush to blaze a trail. To figure out how to get from point A to point B. Otherwise, there's there's just nothing in the beginning. And I think it's easy for teenagers just because those hormones are just go, go, go. They're pushing you straight through the forest. And when you're an adult, you're just like, okay, got to really figure this out. And I just was not, I had no idea what to do. Only after I was finally able to lose my virginity and start having sex, I was like, oh, okay. This was an issue. She did not like to kiss my wife. She was not a kisser. And I'm like, oh, kissing is the best thing in the world. Like I could. Oh, my gosh. I could make out forever with no expectations. Yeah.
0: Same. I love kissing. Wait, had you kissed anyone before her? Because you talked about other girlfriends where you were waiting.
1: Yeah. A a little bit. uh, You know, definitely not through college. There were a, a high school girlfriend that I did make out with very heavily. And, you know, at 30, when I started having sex again, I was like, oh, I remember this. This is how it felt in high school. That's right. So, yeah, the, the kissing was a was a big issue. And it's like it was definitely, you know, a significant part of foreplay that was missing for me. And so, like, I could never manufacture an erection like it would never come. And like there was just nothing I could do. The doctor prescribed me the highest dose of Viagra to see if it could change anything. And it still cannot like when I say there was no sexual chemistry there. I mean, there was none. And only after I had sex for the first time, did I realize like, I can't have sex with an unwilling partner. There are some people that I have gone on dates with and they've wanted to come back to my place. And I'm like, I am asking you for consent right now. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, like, they're telling me they don't want to have sex with me. They're implying that they want to have sex with me, but I cannot get their verbal consent. It is a huge turn off to them. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, please give me your consent. Otherwise, I can't. I My body will just completely reject that."
0: Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health. But if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. I relate to that so strongly. My need for explicit clarity is so great that if I don't have it, I can't connect to the person. And like as a female person that is often in a submissive role, I can lay there and get fucked. I think that's what a lot of my like sex through my early 20s was. But mostly my experience was like, what is happening? Am I doing this wrong? Why aren't they like, why aren't we connected? Why, 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 why? And I I relate so strongly to just that it sounds like you're on the opposite side of the coin, but it's like people who can't verbalize the desire, even when it's clearly there.
1: Honestly, it's come from folks who are still sort of have a conservative sort of worldview almost this toxic masculine idea that like, well, he's supposed to, without words, seduce you into that. Just, I mean, there's, there's a role for seduction, like, God bless it. But, you know, like, if you can't say, yes, I I really want to have sex with you. Like,
0: I don't want to try. If I have to seduce you past your boundaries, that's not sexy for me. I also do just want to say, because I swim in a pool of liberalism in Los Angeles. So I'm even encountering people, largely male-bodied people, but in general people who clearly, clearly desire me. But then when I make it explicit, I get rejected a fuck ton. So what do you do in those instances? Do you just opt out or do you just back away slowly? Or what what have you done? How do you handle it?
1: I have tried to push through and it has always ended in embarrassment.
0: When you say push through.
1: It's like, well, they keep kissing me. They're taking my clothes off. And it's only happened maybe two or three times. Mm -hmm. But when it has happened, it's like I immediately regretted it uh, because I I can't maintain an erection. I think each time they thought that it's their fault, like Mm -hmm. they're not hot enough, they're not doing something right. And I'm just like. I don't know what to say to you to let you know that that's not the case, but yeah. something's just not working. Ugh,
0: this paradigm of fault drives me so crazy because I'm like, well, can we get out of the blame judgment paradigm? What? It's not the recipe. It's not the recipe I need for this dish. It's a different recipe.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: So how did you get from there to knowing your kinks, learning your kinks to this polyamorous lifestyle? Like this is such a small amount of time for such a large number of changes. <laughs> like, wow.
1: Very small amount of time. And I'm so sorry. I was trying to be as COVID safe as I could in normal life, but I was seeing plenty of people. Both my ex-wife and I were like, we were kinky before we were, you know, we had had sex once. We were like, God, this looks really fun. I'd love to do this. We were talking about going to munches before we even had had sex.
0: Wait, wait, wait. How did that come up? Like, and how did that conversation happen between you two?
1: Don't get me wrong. Like we were talking about sex a lot. Okay. Like we desperately wanted to have it. Wow. We tried, we, we tried so many different ways and so many different times. And so like, yeah, looking up, uh, I think we had discovered a YouTube channel that was talking about the BDSM community. And we were like, yeah, we think we really like to do that. But it's just never happened. And then uh, I was like, okay, I'm separated from my wife now. Number one thing, I'm going to go to a munch. And COVID happened. And it's like, well, good luck getting a foot in the door in the kink community. Because it's all about Uh, vetting, personal, you know, relationships. And it's like, well, guess I'm going to wait to have to do that. And i kind of still waiting. Me too. I attended a virtual munch, but it didn't go that. It was kind of weird. First of all, like many people didn't want to show their faces. So it's like, cool. uh, you're in a virtual much. So it's like, OK, there's one this Wednesday that I might attend. I'd like to. Yeah, because everything I know, I only know practicing with myself and with other people who aren't really haven't really been in the actual kink scene. OK, so I was exploring that. But yeah, I just started dating with apps. God bless Bumble, man. Around here, it's the best game in town.
0: OK, how do you do it? I've been failing fantastically. And so I just like to hear little snippets about how people go from swiping to fucking. the
1: first person I had sex with. It was so I will forever be grateful to her. Like, I cannot thank her enough. We swiped, you know, chatted just a little bit. We were nerdy stuff. I've always been forward. I've always been like, yeah, I think you're very attractive. Would you like to go out sometime? I'm always like, let's skip the chit chat and get to the human contact where I can yeah. talk to you. And so that's always been pretty effective for me. But uh, we met to start a chatting. I was still feeling like, okay, how much do I let them know about what I'm like on the first date? I did tell her later, but I I did mislead her a little bit at the very beginning and I felt bad. But I had told her that I hadn't had sex in a long time, not necessarily Mm. that I had never had sex.
0: Well, it's also definitional because, like, does masturbate? What's your definition? Yeah, that's
1: true. I that's you. true. But I, I had run into several matches that heard that I had never had sex. And they were like, nope, 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 nope. Which, yep. you know, I, I yeah. understand. I, I'm I not going to hold it against anybody. So we had chatted over dinner. And just a couple minutes in, she was just like, yeah, I don't mind having sex with someone on the first date. And I'm like, well, I uh, want to go back to your place. <laughs> and she was like, sure. She had also mentioned that her tubes were tied. It was perfect. Okay. I mean, I know people have terrible experiences with sex their first time, but like we started making out. and I was like, oh, my God, I remember this from high school. And we made it back to her room. Now, that time I, I did not use a condom. I was like, okay. I don't know how. Like, I, I, I know I mm. will lose this erection if I try to put a condom on right now. So we did run the risk of STIs, but gratefully, her tubes were tied and helped mitigate some risk of pregnancy. It was a great first experience. I knew from the beginning, I was like, I don't know what kind of penis I have. I don't know how good at sex I'm going to be. But I know for a fact that I can eat pussy and I can do it with gusto. And I buried my face in that thing. And it was beautiful and delicious and magnificent. And I was able to maintain an erection long enough to have sex with her and climax. And it was just, this is perfect. I remember being done and thinking, wow. thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Oh my God. That's beautiful.
1: I was t- telling my therapist about it and she was like, I was like, how do you feel? What emotion did you feel? And I was like, gratitude. That is the absolute emotion that I felt 100% thankful to her, thankful to the world, thankful to the universe and God for chilling out and just letting things go.
0: It does. It feels like a very beautiful gift. Like those are the moments where I'm like, yeah,
1: thank you. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, in a year and a half, I've slept with 15 people.
0: Congrats. That's wonderful. I was
1: still going through like well, no, I need to date this person. I, I need to be in a romantic relationship mm. exclusively with this person or else, you know, that's just casual sex and that's wrong somehow, whatever. Oh,
0: okay. Very relationship escalator yeah, assumptions. Yes. And okay. so
1: several people are like, okay, well, I'm in this new relationship. We're having lots of sex. It's really nice. And then I'd be like, well, I'm still trying to find myself and I'm just all of a sudden very uncomfortable with this solo relationship went through several Mm. partners before I realized what I was doing. I was like, oh, I'm kind of serially dating and implying that like, oh, yeah, I'm in love with you. This is going to be forever. And it's like, no, I really need to try and fix this. I still have not gotten to the point where it's I I think where I'm just not running in the right circles or chatting with the right people to be able to casually say, yeah, you know, I'm just looking for casual sex or or to have sex in this way. That still feels wrong for me somehow. I don't know why.
0: When you said fix, fix what? What needs to get
1: fixed? The pattern. I felt like I needed to correct the pattern of, I felt like I was leading people on a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I would end up with, oh, I'm in this relationship that I really don't want to be a part of. And then I would not ghost people, but I absolutely would like say, hey, I, I'm just not feeling this. I, I'm sorry. And every single person that I broke up with said, it just came out of nowhere. Like you were... 100 percent on into me and then you broke up with me and i'm like i don't know what to do
0: can i ask you a question yeah. This this veers into romantic territory kind of but also i think it does relate to sex and i wonder if i have a similar streak so in the in the name of learning i hear that it came out of nowhere for them but what did it feel like on the inside to you Because for me, when I hear you describe that, I get sort of this like mounting anxiety, but I still had this old pattern of behaving with shoulds, like the way that I know to treat other people that I'm dating. So even though inside I'm like, well, I know we're not life partners, but also I'm here and we're here and we're fucking and what do I do? And so I would like trap myself in shoulds a little bit. Is that similar or what's your version? Yeah, I've got
1: shoulds all over the place. Yeah, it was (laughs) a matter of I would get anxious I do want to have kids. That's a thing. Like I, and I know there are other ways to have kids that you don't have to be partnered to have a kid if you don't want to, but I really definitely maintain this Ward Cleaver-esque image of myself someday. It's Wait, the who's that? Ward Cleaver is the, uh, the father on leave it to beaver.
0: Oh, um, okay. I hold got this it.
1: picture in my head. You know, I'm someday I want to be the Potter familias. I want to be the head of my family. Yeah. And, have this yeah. beautiful, you know, brood of children doing various things and doing Boy Scouty stuff and taking them camping and being outside doing traditionally masculine things. And and I know I say traditionally masculine, I don't mean to imply that those things specifically are masculine. I just mean that that picture of mid century masculinity.
0: The great outdoors and all the goodness. Here's a question. Are you in a sci-fi? Have you ever read any Robert Heinlein? No, no, I haven't. Author. Okay, so you might if you get in the mood for fiction, I love Robert Heinlein. And the reason I'm offering it to you specifically is because there are so many kind of like the great American ideals, but it's all about taking care of each other and family. And it's all about prioritizing the kids. But they are also so horny and they are polyamorous. Like he has many different structures of polyamory. And so I think like the Lazarus long series, so time enough for love, it's weird. And the number of the beast and to sail beyond the sunset and the cat who walks through walls. Like those books show these relationship structures that are so the opposite of jealousy and i think they're so beautiful and they have so much of this kind of pioneer spirit that i think appeals to what i wish america were Uh, like true like i wish it really were a country please do and let me know what you think because that i think because i think it also might help your brain be like oh there's another way because i can relate to so much of what you're saying because everything i was fed my parents are still together i am home here on my beautiful farmstead that's a little less beautiful because a bunch of the trees are knocked down and I'm literally farming, like checking the sprinkler heads in the 13 remaining acres and like taking care of the animals and like the garden. So I can relate to so much of what you say of like just like wanting to put your hands in the earth and be connected to nature and your family. I love and all that you that.
1: recommended books because I'm in the process. I hope nobody from my uh, employer listens to this podcast. But uh, the small branch where I work at, at the public library, we have the ability for patrons to request books. and so. There's rarely ever a question raised when a patron requests a book. We almost always buy it. Mm. And so I've sort of been recruiting friends of mine to request kinky, poly books. We started out with The Ethical Slut and PolySecure. And so now my tiny little branch library has a blossoming, poly, kinky lifestyle collection.
0: That's amazing. And I'm so happy to hear that. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor, and they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice, so I am very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people? This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Flora. As life's routine settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories, so they downloaded Fleur and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Floor's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection, a shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. Okay, so let's wander back towards your sex life. So the library has a blossoming poly-kinky section. Did you learn some from this? Were you inspired by this or were you already, it sounds like you already were gaining some knowledge and how did your casual dating kind of like blossom into where we I are have today?
1: friends that were poly. I have several friends. So I knew about the lifestyle, knew about what they did. I was like, that's weird. That's not for me, whatever. But then I mm-hmm. met a girl on Bumble that I was like, I really like this girl, but she's also polyamorous and I don't know what to do with that. So let's go on a first date and see. And so we go on a first date and every once in a while, I have a bad habit of turning first dates into therapy sessions. And that instance was a bad therapy session. And
0: me to
1: her. And I can definitely be a fire hydrant if I don't kind of, I'm not saying that I want to bottle things up, but there's a time and a place and the first dates not the place for Mm -hmm. some information. And so she was Mm -hmm. overwhelmed and just didn't turn out, but that definitely opened the door to like, I'm open to seeing poly people. So ended up going on a date with this girl that I met a year before. We hit it off and we met some of her other poly people. Also, I am an extrovert and somehow introverts find me and I fall in love with them. And while I love my introverted partners, I need to go out on a regular basis and see lots and lots of people and the polyamorous community near where I'm at they're a whole bunch of extroverts doing a whole bunch of people, people, people things. I jumped in head first, honestly. I tore through the ethical slut and tried to do things as well as I could. I was sort of juggling three partners for a while. I realized oh, that wow. that was polysaturation for me, that I was like, I'm not doing good for any of these people. Right when I became poly and and started giving myself to other people, just with reckless abandon. I live about 30 minutes from the larger city where I would hang out, go do karaoke things. And I would be driving there after work every night to spend a late night doing something, swing dancing, like karaoke. It. And it quickly became obvious, like, my tank's running on empty. Like, even as an extrovert, my tank was running on empty, the the hard the party okay. that they were able to do. And so... Realizing, like, this is not happy for anybody. Like, what's the point of this? So trying to take a step back, I, you know, broke up with some partners. We just realized it wasn't working. And now I maintain two major relationships that I'm with. One is the girl that I broke up with right before I became Polly, And I was like, wait, how would you feel about exploring this with me? Like, and, and it turns out she was thinking the exact same thing. It's been a lot of fun. It feels very natural. But at the same time, I think there are probably waves and and cycles of of your life. Like, two is fine for now. Like, I don't need to try and fill my life up with as many partners as possible. That said, I'm still very pro-casual sex, like, if you can have it, it. which leads me to another thing. I absolutely wanted to mention to you right before my ex and I separated. So this would be sort of December, 2019. I joined a Facebook page, a support group for people in sexless marriages. And it sounds like a sad Mm. place to be. And it is a sad place to be, but Mm. it it was the first time to help me realize like, there are so many people, so many people that just want to have sex. They're just desperate for it. And it's like, They're trapped and they can't have it. They've got to like really upend their lives if they ever want a chance at it. And so the way I say it now is if you can physically have sex, you owe it to those poor souls to have as much awesome sex as possible.
0: Also, okay, I'm so glad you added the word awesome because I'm a single, free, available person trying to get fucked more. But, like, because I have standards and just, like, want some basic levels of quality, like, that's getting really hard. It's it's been hard to get past the hump of... Okay, if we like each other, can you accept that I like like you and want to get to know you without like shutting yourself down sexually because we might be compatible? Or like if I just want to fuck you, like, can you still treat me like a person? Like, where is the overlap? And I think there's like unnecessary complication. That's why I'm trying to really just get all of us on board to shift the sexual culture, because it doesn't have to be that hard in those places. Let's keep the hardness in the right. I'm on field
1: right now. That's that's being interesting. And so it's absolutely difficult. Like. For me, it's even difficult having that conversation because there's still shame in in terms of like, well, you can't just want to have sex. like, And if you tell that to somebody, you're a pervert. Mm. It's also some of the lies on repeat in my head saying, girls don't want to have sex with you. Girls don't want to have sex, period. Mm. It's something you have to coerce them into, you know, and it's like, where the fuck did that come Whoa. from? <laughs>
0: Do you have any? I know it's not
1: true. I mean, I I obviously can name that. No, I don't. I don't know where it comes from, and it doesn't dominate my life. You know, obviously, but it's definitely a struggle for me. Sort of maintaining a balance between I feel comfortable with who I am. I love the way I look. I never thought that I would be, you know, good at having sex, but I've received some feedback, and it's almost always very positive. And I think yeah. my penis is a little bit larger than average. And so like, I feel great about my ability to have sex and to please someone and to enjoy myself. Like, I love that I can do that. But there's still this attitude of can't just come out and say it. You can't just want sex.
0: Mm. Okay, but it's also problematic to be like, I want to have sex and I want to have a little bit of connection and I want to see where it goes and stay open And because people are like, that's not a normal pattern. Why? You know, and so I'm just like, all right, well, we can't land. Oh, oh, we have to play the pretend game where we go on a first date and pretend like we're madly in love already. And like we're going to magically like romance each other like the rom-coms. And then we're going to play these weird, weird games where we don't respond to each other's text messages and we can't talk to, you know, so anyway. Okay. What I would like to hear from you are some details about the things, the fun that you are having, the things that you like. It sounds like you have been exploring a lot. So tell us some things that you love and what's coming up. Okay.
1: So sex with other people. I definitely invested in some different restraining things, toys and things. Ball gags are some of the hottest toys in the world. <sighs> Drooling is very hot through a ball gag.
0: What kind of restraints Basic do you have?
1: Velcro wrist and ankle restraints. And then under the bed system, I also have some anchor points on my bed that I'm able to do things with there. Shibari I haven't gotten into. I'm sure I need to just bite the bullet and study that sometime because it's beautiful, Mm -hmm. but it's also very functional. A blindfold, obviously, some plugs, dildo. So like the things that I enjoy with partners are I, I absolutely enjoy restraining them. My bed has this place toward the footboard where I have an anchor point in the middle and two anchor points on the side, and then being able to connect their collar directly to the anchor point, which is just oh man, it's it's beautiful. And everything I say, like I love doing to people, I I want them to be done to me, also.
0: Okay. Has have any of these A been? A little done to
1: bit, you? not that much. Most of my partners were close to my level of experience. Not necessarily like some some have had lots of sex, but it's all been very submissive. Sex. no one mm-hmm. has felt comfortable being dominant with me yet. And there's mm-hmm. no turn off more than someone who is, I'm gonna do this because you want it, but I'm not really yeah. into this. Like, well then please don't okay. do that. <laughs>
0: Same, same. I'm like, no, 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 stay away. Just, just keep your hands with to yourself. Myself, I don't know. With
1: myself, I bought a chastity cage, which has been fun. About 24 hours of the length that I've been able to wear it.
0: Well, it's made out of? Plastic resin,
1: I believe. Etsy is a beautiful place. I was like, okay, what do I want to do? I, I don't have a relationship with someone that I would feel comfortable saying, "Hey, will you, you know, be my key holder and be dominant over me in that way." Yet, Yeah. sometimes I thought, well, what if I freeze the key in a large, you know, block of ice and I can't get to it very easily? And but, you know, I played a little bit on a, a few occasions with that. Like I mentioned, uh, anal play is something that I really enjoy. I describe myself as heteroflexible because, like, some people might listen to this in like, I swear, my family always thought I was gay. They're, they're always like, well, uh-huh. you're probably gay. So I was talking to my family, and I said, my ex, you know, we're getting a divorce, and she wouldn't mind me telling you this, but she's gay. And then my aunt, without skipping a beat, said, oh, she's gay. (laughs) And I was like, yes, she was the gay one. It's like, it's never been off the table for me. I've always been like, I wouldn't mind being gay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'd be perfectly fine with it.
0: I think that's a really cute response because it really just sounds like a mishearing, and like I hear acceptance in it. <laughs> just surprise. there is
1: she's is a very beautiful, wonderful, accepting person. I have no doubt. I could give a blowjob real well.
0: Mm, mm. why why how do you know why do guys always other people okay not always guys sometimes it's vulva holders but so many people i talk to are like i could do it because you know like how do you know it's not because
1: i know the magic way around the penis because some penises have different very different sensitive parts but Mm -hmm. i know that i could look a man in the eye and say i want this and you're gonna give it to me and it's the enthusiasm i may not know the exact rhythm that you want but i have no doubt that i will figure it out I have never been able to climax from oral, not yet. And so, like, I just always see in that in my partner's eyes, just like, well, this is taking a while and I'm probably not doing this right. And I just don't know what mm. I'm doing. And I'm like, well, there, that's probably not going to gonna, not gonna <laughs> happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would you do it? What would you start with? What do you think I you would do? Definitely
1: would lick the bottom of the head. What's the frenulum, I believe? It'd definitely start yeah. there. I guess a great question because it definitely would need to be erect, but. I think I would like to go ahead and deep throat it a little bit to get the thick saliva going. That's yes, what I would do. So
0: good. Has someone deep yes, throated they you?
1: have. But again, okay. it's not just the raw feeling of it. It's the mental connection. I have no doubt that you want this. It goes back to that always. So I definitely would yeah. try and get some good lubrication via my saliva on there.
0: What about balls? Would you ask before for squeezing balls, tickling balls? Like what? And and what are mine your...
1: are not sensitive in the least, like go to town, have Adam, do whatever cool. you want. I wouldn't describe it as a, the same sort of pleasure. It's, it's sort of a, a pain that is dull that can add yeah. a company standard pleasure. But, uh, I, I would yeah. certainly ask cause some people would be way more sensitive than I would, but, uh.
0: What sort of standard pleasure does your cock enjoy? I am
1: circumcised. I don't know the science exactly behind that, but I can imagine that being that I am circumcised, the head is less sensitive than it would be otherwise. It's not the most sensitive of my body parts. If I'm erect, just the standard up and down motion around it, that's obviously pleasurable, but pushing it side to side, also, I have to like almost stretch it out or something, like straining against it a little bit. Let's see, if I'm do looking down, it's pointing at 12 o'clock, pushing it directly to like 10 o'clock or something, side okay. to side at the base. But I've never been able to describe it in such a way that somebody else can do it for me. I think I'm, I can only do it for myself, and it might just be an instinctual thing, it might and not just be manipulated because there may be some inner muscle movements that I have to do as well, but I'm not not entirely sure about that.
0: That sounds like a good exploration mission of like, how about this? How about this? How about this? Which, I, which I've which i tried to do lately, especially with partners who are not comfortable or, or not in touch with explicit communication yet. Like I'll just do kind of like tests and check Yeah, check-ins. yeah.
1: My partner <laughs> has bought a strap-on finally, We can't wait to play Mm -hmm. with that. I will go to town on myself with my dildo. No problem. Like, it's amazing. I've come in chastity once. It feels so good. I love some of the porn I consume is is chastity porn. And I love the idea of I'm in chastity and I'm fucking my partner with the strap on.
0: Yeah, that's a very hot thought.
1: Not even humiliation. I'm just like, no, I just like, this is hot. (laughs)
0: That's so cool. What's the part about it for you that's hot? Is it like the denial or the just like build up? Like what is it? It's the
1: control. It's like, Mm -hmm. ah, yes, this part of you is finally caged. Now you can develop yourself to be the perfect energy you can be. Like I I can be into sissy fantasies a little bit. But if you can show me a picture of a man who is like muscular in chastity, like, oh, yeah.
0: Mm hmm. Oh, what about assholes and licking them? Receiving, or giving? I have
1: never done that. I I think just okay. just the taboo. You just think like, oh, I don't. I don't think I like it. I, I've I've attempted a little bit with plastic wrap. My partner didn't enjoy that at all, and so we didn't really okay. go back to that. I've never desired to have mine licked, but you know, there's a first time for everything. Yet, you know, totally.
0: Yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> I was thinking, but I was like, I've said it so many times already. <laughs> Um, also I'm also going to circle back on Etsy. How did you know what size, are there sizes of cages? Or are they one size fits all? Like This how did shop you had that?
1: a measurement guide. And so, you know, cool. if you have a, like a sewing tape measure, that can really help you. They only had two sizes. So I got, I got the larger size and it's difficult sometimes to put on, but lubricant is also as, as with everything critical. And then they sent me like, like probably four or five rings because it's really hard to measure because the rings go between the back of your scrotum and above the shaft. Um, So it circles the whole deal. So that's pretty difficult to measure. So they just send you a bunch of things. And so the larger one is like, I could not do any of the other smaller sizes.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So you've worn it for 24 hours. What was it like taking it off? I'm
1: almost always just overwhelmed with desire. So I'm just like, oh my God, I have to take this off. Both both times I've worn it, I have had sort of semi-ruined orgasm in chastity. You know, I think somebody might listen and say, like, well, you're not doing it right. But, well, well, you know, there's no right way to do anything.
0: You have also, like, a whole life. Like, you're just getting into chastity. You know, like, there's so many good ways to explore. What about latex?
1: Oh, my God. Anime, for one. The clothes that people wear in anime just look like they're made of latex to me.
0: Such a good point and a connection. I Like just the met.
1: shine on it. I'm sure they're trying to make it look like leather or something, but to me it just looks like, oh my God, I wish I could wear that. Just the tightness, the liquidness, the idea that you could zip up into something and be transformed into a different creature. Oh God, mm. that's so hot. Reflective Desire. I think they they make some really, really, really quality latex content. Everything is perfectly fitted and... Uh, But, man, it's expensive.
0: Expensive. And I hear it's very difficult to maintain.
1: Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'll get to play around with that a little bit. Beautiful.
0: What else are you into or want to explore? Definitely group
1: sex. I've never had sex with more than one person at a time. I'm happy to explore with, you know, any real combination. I'd probably want to start out with a threesome first. My biggest fear (laughs) of that is the other person being left out at some point. But again, I have no idea, so I've, I've never experienced it. Two episodes ago, your guest, she discussed realizing that she couldn't just sit back and receive pleasure. And I, that was, I desperately need to figure that out. Like, I, I, I mm. cannot sit back and receive. And that's one thing I worry about with a threesome is like, no, 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 I'm supposed to be doing something. I'm supposed to, you know.
0: Can I offer a fantasy just to yeah. plant seeds? for me i was taught to deeply receive pleasure as a submissive through restraint through being ordered to receive i wonder if that's a framework that could work for you like i wonder if there is a world for me too i used to never be able to come with a partner and it was orgasm denial that turned off the forward energy impatient lover of service because i part of it is that i'm impatient part of it is that i just want to touch the other person everywhere all the time. And I, I get twisted in my own intense desire. And then I skip the foreplay. It makes it hot because I'm so impatient. And so having someone slow me down and saying, no, you're not allowed to come until I say so. You know, like that's when I'm like, okay, now can I come? You know, and that's, and it made me literally beg for it. Also, being forced, air quotes forced, to receive pleasure when I'm on the brink of orgasm, but it's my job as a good submissive, because I'm very good, to just be receiving it and to not come. When my master has bandwidth to be my master, you know, I get these really intense, beautiful, like in sessions when we are together. It's so beautiful. So, I'm planting that seed, planting that hope.
1: I'd love to find That was a great way for me to learn. (laughs) It's difficult. Like I said, I've never found someone who wants to be dominant.
0: Yeah.
1: It's difficult. And I think I do fear a little bit. Some of the things I see on local FetLife things, it's just like so many men want a dominant woman and they are few Mm -hmm. and far between. And it's like the last thing I want to be is another guy like randomly DMing someone on FetLife or something, asking for, like, will you just dominate me, please? Because obviously, like, if it gets to the point where, like, no, I I can't find this anywhere else, I really need to, you know, just pay someone to do it, which, I, you know, I'd be willing to do that.
0: I've been thinking about that lately too, actually, because I want to do all of these explorations, but I want to do them safely and with people who are experienced. So I literally have been fantasizing about looking up people because I live in Los Angeles. Like I have access to people. So I think I may be like paying people, you know, pay someone to tie me up and then I get to take pictures and it's like I get to choose and then see what comes of that. I think my hope for the whole world, like for all of us, is that the more we give each other mutual permission, then the more more of us will maybe like open up. And, you know, like I'm a submissive. I want to learn to top because I want to be a submissive who can top. I don't want to like top from the bottom, you know, so all of that. I also have yet to find uh, in my personal life a dominant femme to play with. I'm also scouting the horizons. What else haven't you explored that you want to explore still? Would you go to like sex parties as well?
1: Absolutely. One of the things, yeah. like the crew that I sort of first fell into polyamory with, they hosted sex parties regularly and were going to have one. But they suddenly thought like, oh, yes, we've got a lot of people interested. And then they planned a sex party that was like at an Airbnb that was like a couple hundred oh. dollars. And I was like, I can't oh. afford this. Like they, they were also very tantra e sort of folks. Okay. And so they wanted these different sessions and things. And it's like... Wish I could do that. I I don't have the time or the money to do that right now. I think getting into the kink scene would probably be one avenue to explore that, which I hope I can do soon. Maybe getting together with another couple on field. I think we've got some leads. We're going to have a trip to see different people soon. But again, like like I mentioned, it's like you have to pave those kind of neural pathways. Like I have no picture in my head what it looks like being connected with another couple to having a threesome or foursome. Like, I don't know. I have no idea the conversation that needs to be had to get there.
0: Mm, I have lots of questions and ideas for that that I'm happy to share. But I also just want to throw out and say that for me, each of the group sex experiences I've had have been just so vastly different energetically. So it's like, oh, I've had a threesome. I know, you know, but I'd had a threesome with the same couple several times. And so then the next one was like very different. And the next one after that was very different again. And so I'm like. Oh, maybe it's good to just like have that beginner's mind thing mm-hmm. every single time and just just i'm I always try to practice coming to things <laughs> coming to things just where i just to see what's there. The other thing that I want to ask you is how does it feel in your body? I'm always so curious about switches like how did you discover your switchy self? like it sounds like you were talking with your ex about kinky stuff, but like were you like, like how did it develop? For you? I don't know
1: i I've never had the opportunity to be submissive with someone who was comfortable Mm -hmm. being a dominant. And so like, Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what it's going to feel like, but I see how it looks in some porn and it's the way some people describe it. And I think like, I could be a very good boy, no doubt. And I just desperately want that experience and just knowing that feeling of like, If I'm a a someone's dominant, I will take you. Like I will make you perfect. I will make you able to take anything, accept anything. You will be able to do whatever whatever it is you want to do. And to have someone do that for me, like, oh man.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. I want that for all of us. What are your hopes for your sex life,
1: guys? To have a whole lot of it. A whole lot of different kinds of it. I do love taking a couple female partners to buy their first vibrator, (laughs) like Mm. making people feel good and and teaching them about their sex life and just enabling them to do sexually acrobatic things and parties, definitely getting into the kink scene. I I, want to do that.
0: So if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick? And what would you say? My
1: immediate thought is go back to maybe 14, 15, and say, have sex with your girlfriend, go ahead and get it out of the way, figure it out. But at the same time, I have no doubt, if I had been sexually active from an early age, gone off to university or something, a larger school where I could have sex regularly, I would not think about it the way I do now. And I like Mm -hmm. the way I contemplate sex and The openness that I have to explore myself and other people like I wish I would have been able to have sex, you know, in my hot and heavy early 20s. But at the same time, I'm having great sex and I don't regret much. Do you have a sex question for me? No, I just I I think sex stories, I want to say it was there as I was trying to have sex. Were you producing this in January of 2020?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're coming up on, it'll be three years, December 31st. Yeah,
1: I was listening to sex stories. I was listening to a lot of podcasts. This helped me so, so much to break the shame. Fuck it. Yeah. Even though, you know, I still say I'm a six, but uh, to break the shame of it, to be able to act on my desires, to be able to explore it, to be able to grow into, a, you know, a much more robust human person than I was previously and so, from all of us that get a lot of help from you, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. And thank you, Axe, so much for being on it the show. It is my
1: pleasure.